Okay, we're on. We're on. Episode two. Episode two of what's the name of the podcast? That record got me high. That record got me high. That's Barry Stop. That's Rob Elba. <laughs> Should we do it like that? Is that like corny to do it that way? I don't know. I feel like it's less narcissistic to introduce the other guy. Yes, that's great. Right. Yeah. Well, it's too late now because I'm not going back. <laughs> so well, you, your bright idea becomes ground in cement, <laughs> yeah, right, board cement. Right. And uh, so, how was your week? My week was good. Um, we actually got to make some music together since the last podcast. We did. On stage. We actually played some music. It was one Wow, of was that since the last... <laughs> it was, I got yeah. the chronology weird there. Because I, I would have... I would have... Yeah, it was, right? Was it two weeks ago that we were together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to do this more, okay. more frequently, I think. <laughs> right. Are you sure... No, I'm not sure of it. I thought it was last week. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was after we did the initial thing, or no, it wasn't. All right, well, never mind. Anyway. Ooh, this is not. This doesn't speak well of our <laughs> cognitive what, I abilities. Think we, I think we may have so to do this may, every yeah, week, so yeah. we'll know. So we'll be more okay. like, uh, in it. But whatever. Anyway, it's we had fun. a good time. We had fun. a good time playing together with yes. the Goldust Lounge. Yes. And uh, you know, I can uh, I can say now so that he can't back out. Uh, Russell has invited me to play on a May, like a May 12th gig oh, nice. with the uh, Goldust Lounge. So uh, <laughs> he wants me to play bass, which is weird because you're the bass player. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> no, no I, he didn't say anything about that. It would not uh, surprise me. No, no, I think it would be a surprise. Um, All right, well, let's get into it. Let's get into the. And our, our record du jour this week is one I picked. Yes. Which is Daydream Nation. Sonic Youth. I'm very excited. I was excited when you said it, and then when I revisited it, I was even more excited. Because Me too. Yeah, I think that's going to happen a lot, where we're going to think of records, and we're going to go, oh yeah, that's great, and then we're going right. to listen to it and go, oh my god, I forgot how great right. it was. We discussed, well, briefly discussed doing a record that either we had never heard or that we didn't like, and I don't know. <laughs> that maybe that's... Maybe not like, but maybe haven't heard. And maybe that one guy... Is pretty sure. Like I, I'm yeah. sure there's there's probably records that you really like that I'm not familiar with that you would have a yeah. good idea that I would like. Maybe. But yeah. Once it's not Zappa, Actually, once yeah. It's not Frank Zappa. Yeah, you're not gonna go for that. <laughs> no. No. And uh, it's you. I'd probably be more likely to pick something you didn't like than you would be to pick something I didn't. That's like. probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. Um. So, so anyway, Daydream Nation, uh, fifth. It was Sonic Youth's uh, fifth record. Uh, came out in 1988. Yep. Which seems so long ago. It was 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years. So 30 times 365, 9,000, 10,000 days ago. <laughs> Just to put a little cap on that. Nice. Um, and it was a double album in the in the uh, in the tradition of Zen Arcade, the Husker Do Double, yes. and uh, Double Nickels on the Dime. Dime. Yes, that's right. The uh, the trifecta of uh, indie uh, great, That's right. great records great indie records right. and uh, this uh, definitely they had um, they have they have lots of good records and the two records before this were really good but amazing this, records yes. yeah but this is kind of like their masterpiece it, it is it's their London Calling it's yes. their another double album <laughs> yeah which I didn't realize, honestly, when you said it, I didn't realize that it was a double album. Like, I had uh, forgotten because, uh, 
I don't know. For some reason, I that, I, that I Daydream Nation was a double album. Yeah, it was a double album because some of the songs, the songs are pretty long, so there's yeah. not as many songs that you would think would be on a double. I album. don't think it's a long double album. I mean, I remember, not, I, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, when you get done, you're like, okay, you know, they, they the the the, uh, and I guess I would have, I must have, I had it on vinyl. Um, me too. Me too. I had it on vinyl, and I think I also had it on. A cassette too, because it was That's one of those. Probably, yeah, yeah, I would usually because at the time I didn't have a CD player in my car, so oh, I would no. buy. Uh, I would do both. Look at that. Yeah. And now I don't. I, now I don't buy anything. Mm. <laughs> well, let's not say. <laughs> let's not. Let's not get into uh, methods of music consumption. <laughs> we could get in trouble. Right. I, I listen to Spotify a lot. Me too. Um, I listened when I'm revisiting it the, this past week. That's what I was listening to on yeah. Spotify. So I saw, I, I had heard Sonic Youth on um, Bad New Rising, which I think that you also had heard. Yes. Which is uh, uh, their third, second album. Okay. And that was before, I think that was even before they were on SST. SST it, yeah, it was maybe, yeah, that. it was on Touch and Go. Okay, okay. Touch and Go out of Minneapolis, maybe? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> and uh, then I had that one, and I liked... Some of it, but I really liked, of course, um, Death Valley 69, which is the last track on the record with Lydia Lunch singing on it. Yeah, yeah. And that presages what's about to happen, I think, with Evil, which is the record where I got that. And I thought, oh, now this really sounds cool. And there's a lot going on here that I, um, and I wanted to know, like, they had that sound like, oh, this is, they've, they've figured out how to turn that into songs. Right, right, yeah, because that's the thing, as they uh, progressed, they were always cool and they had cool music, but when they actually, uh, uh, yeah, when they actually found a way to, to make all this really cool sounds and uh, noisy stuff and still make it into uh, into actual songs, it just makes it that much more interesting. And um, this record, really, I, I'd forgotten in listening to it, how many just uh, great songs are on? There are a lot of songs on here that you could someone could sit down with a uh, guitar. You probably could ha- probably have to tune it a little differently because I'm I don't know you're you. There's still chords though. I mean, yeah, it's not are, like it's 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 not like um, they're doing anything that you couldn't reproduce. It's really the tonalities that you can't reproduce because there's dr- they got a lot of drone strings and that's the trick. Right. And I didn't understand what was going on until I saw them in Jacksonville. They did a tour um, it, after Evol and maybe after Sister oh, just wow. came out. She saw them pretty early. And yeah, they, they played in Jacksonville with Firehose opening. It was called the Flaming Telepath Tour. And nice. a shout out to Blister Cult's uh, song. And uh, I watched Lee Ronaldo tune the guitars while he was sitting on stage. And that was where I went, oh, that's how they're getting that sound, is that there's there's drone strings and the tunings are all, have, you know, these multiples of, of the same note. Right, right. Uh, and and uh, in listening to this, I'm, assume, I'm going to assume that there's not many songs on here where the guitars are just tuned normally. They're not. I just about I don't think every the song zero. has, yeah, yeah. I mean, very occasionally they do. I think there's one song on Sister, which is that Hot Wire on My Heart, the cr- cover of that crime song. I think they play that in regular tune. Right, right. Um, but, uh, it's, it's like all over the place, but it's still, uh, it's also good. All right, so uh, let's get into it. Let's yes, into it. The all right. first track is Teenage Riot. Teenage Riot. Uh, written about the band. You know who it's about? No. It's about Dinosaur. The band Dinosaur Jr. Ah, oh, okay. And uh, 
it's just kind of riffing on, I guess, what they were doing and their, uh, their uh, sound. You, you know, uh, Marshall Stack, was it, um, uh, was it Platform Shoes, Marshall Stacks? <laughs> and uh, I don't know that there were any platform shoes in Dinosaur, but the Marshall <laughs> Stacks definitely. Right. And, you know, Dinosaur were up and coming yeah. in 88. Um, yeah, I remember. I was actually living up in Boston when uh, Dinosaur Jr. were coming up. And I remember the, the the first thing I would hear about them was that they were the the loudest band that people had ever seen. Yeah. People said, Doug, you, yeah. you just will not believe how loud this yeah. band is. Yeah, he had two, Jay had two Marshalls and one was up full blast for regular playing. And then he had another one up full blast, I think, with a switch where he would, when he would solo, he would just turn the second one on. And so it was twice as loud when he was soloing. Uh, all right, cool. So I didn't know. I had no idea that that's really cool. And uh, it's a really, it's a great opener. It's got that like dreaming. It's got that little dreaming thing. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning of it. Yeah. And uh, it's very poppy though. It's very, it's very upbeat, and it's very. Um, uh, um, once it kicks in. Once it kicks in. Yeah, the intro, <laughs> intro part. Is is fine, you know. It's it's you got to have a you know you get the credits before the movie, right? Exactly. And then that's kind of what that is. Um, uh, but it kicks in, and it's just a real uh, a real driving thing. And I love how uh, Steve Shelley, the drummer, does the uh, clicks. He's like clicking on his sticks, and then he does the uh, a double time clicking on yeah, his yeah. sticks. Like when you think maybe he'd come in, but he doesn't come in yet, and he's clicking right. That's right. Time. He keeps clicking. Yeah, right. He keeps clicking double time, and then he finally comes in, and uh, yeah. it's really great. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, you know, it's Thurston's lyrics about, it's, I, it's not, he said it was about dinosaur, but, you know, their lyrics are, I'm going to. Very, uh, a stream of consciousness. They're a, a stream of, of consciousness. A lot, a lot of, of William S. Burroughs thing. Philip K. Dick was a big, was a big, um, they were really into Philip K. Dick at this point. Right. And right. his aesthetic and his ideas. And so that that comes through um, in in uh, but I wonder and I remember I I interviewed Kim and Thurston for uh, they before they played in Tallahassee before this uh, before they played on this tour and they talked to Kim talked about you know I guess I didn't know anything about Green Street where they recorded it at the time I wasn't hip to that or understand she said oh, we were trying to you know kind of do a more a bigger studio or a more um i think she said something about subvert the subverting the you know the the uh, um big studio thing and going in but you know they're like a uh, um this Noisy, noisy indie band but for this for them this record was a lot of money they spent i think like Thirty thousand dollars. I read that it cost right. them to record this record, which I oh, guess but, it, no but that was two weeks though at Green Street. So right, 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 right. And the funny, funny thing about Green Street, you know, this who else? Like, what other records were made there? It was it's it was a hip hop studio. Right. That's right. That's right. And so Public Enemy uh, uh, recorded there, and uh, a lot of the New York big hip hop. Um, Records of that vintage went through Green Street or yeah, recorded yeah. Green Street, and they had listened. I guess they had heard, listened to the records, and they liked the sounds that they were getting out of the studio. And I, they said, "Ah, this, uh, okay, this, this could work. This could be good." Yeah, 
But you, I, but which is odd because, and the guy that uh, um, Sansone that recorded it. I mean, I don't was know not that he's an indie guy. He was <laughs> no. not, a, not a Sonic Youth fan at all. No, was more like a more like a hip hop guy, whatever. But they worked. I guess they worked really good together. Yeah, and I'm sure the guy was um, sharp enough to realize that the, you know, the, these guys are good. These guys obviously had their shit together. Right. And, uh, you know, they they probably realized that they were making something really good because I think they had uh, they had rehearsed a lot, like the. The songs that they were going to do for this record, they had played together a lot. So by the time they got in the studio, they were uh, they were ready to go. They were they were well oiled machine, and even though it wasn't uh, totally mapped out how they were going to record the songs, they had been playing together enough. They this, rehearsed this, them, ma- yeah. This material that they were going to get it down, and uh, and uh, it came out really great. Though. Yeah, I was digging around to see if there was any demos. There's like a couple on the the dub on the recent. CD re-release, right? Right. There's a couple of lead demos, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is, which but actually, for the so. but there's no for the for the Goo record, which was the next one. There's actually an entire set of demos that they recorded, I think, with uh, Don Fleming and Jay Maskus at some small place. They demoed the whole Goo record because that oh, was wow, their cool. major label. Uh, yes, that's right. So, yeah, this was also this was the last record that they did on the uh, indie. And I think Blast First lasted about as long as this record, and then because right. I never heard of Blast First again <laughs> after this. And um, yeah, and the re- and it's a shame because the record did uh, did pretty good, relatively good. But uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't sure know. A, I mean, managed label. I, I don't know how. Um, I, I don't know how it sold. I don't know, like, and who was the distributor? Was it one of those Dutch East Indian, like where it would be through, you know, uh, Dutch East India, um, or let's see, uh, other things recorded at Green Street, uh, uh, Public Enemies, Black Steel, and Hour of Chaos, uh, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rocks. It takes two. Oh, wow. um, okay. And uh, three weeks they recorded, so right, $10,000 $10, a week. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons also why they ended up going to a major label was I guess uh, they were they were getting discouraged because people wanted to buy the record and couldn't, couldn't, Correct. Get, couldn't get it Could, in stores. Yeah. So they said, all right, all right we're okay. have to get up to the next level. Yeah, Green Street is also near where they live. They lived in uh, – Kim and Thurston, I, know, I guess, Liam was, lived in Chinatown. Right, right, right. And uh, we had a friend who was used to house sit for them. And so we went on our honeymoon to New York um, – December 30th, 1990, we got married and then we went like a couple of days later, we flew to New York and he was, they were out of town and he was house sitting. So we went to, we got to hang out at Kevin Thurston's and watch all of Thurston's uh, videos, including one video uh, of Dinosaur Jr. playing live and uh, attempting to actually kill each other, Jay and... uh, uh, um, Lou Barlow? Lou Barlow. Yeah, Lou Barlow actually had his bass off and it was swinging it around his head trying to hit Jay. Oh, and, nice. And, yeah, things were <laughs> tense, I guess. It was a... Uh, and also, let's see, he had a... Um, you know, but there were no guitars in the house. Not, there was like one acoustic guitar. Uh, like, so <laughs> I guess that was all, you know, somewhere else. Yes. All right, so let's go. Uh, number two song is Silver Rocket. Also yep. the... Um, Thurston Moore song and yeah. this is a real rock I don't know I, to me this song is, it seems like it's about rocking out like it's a rocking out song the story I, as I recall was that it's about Andy Warhol and the silver 
the factory, there was the silver, uh, like everything was silver or there, everything was coated in silver. And he, um, that is my recollection. And I don't have any, um, it's, I'm sure I read that in, you know, forced exposure magazine in, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I don't have any, and it is, it is, it is one of my favorite songs on the record. That sounds viable. Yeah. Yeah. This song just really, uh, it's a monster. And I remember, uh, I think, um, I saw them after this record came out, they were on that show, Called Night Music. That's yeah. a saxophone player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from yeah. David Letterman did uh, David Sanborn. David a Sanborn. Show, yeah. Short-lived show called Night Music, and they were on, and they played. It was actually a song. couple. It was actually a couple of seasons of Night Music. It wasn't as short-lived as if you can dig around. Well, I remember. Yeah, the uh, Pixies were on it. Yeah. Uh, Lou Reed was yep. on it. Yeah. NRBQ great was on there, guests, but their performance on here, they did. Uh, they rock. They were they killed it. Oh, and it was great. And they had that middle, uh, the middle noise part. Yeah. Just the crazy noise part where they're just going crazy and Thurston's like D twenty is a Yeah. And then they finish. Kick back I don't in know into how it. they come back in and finish. Yeah. Um practice, practice. If you do that every night, you know. Yeah. Every it's, it's I, that's some, something I was gonna bring up, up about Sonic Youth is like they're they're like the Yardbirds. Because in the Yardbirds you know there's a point in the song where the uh the rave up is coming. And yes, so <laughs> yes. two and, verses Two choruses. Here comes the rave up, right. and the last chorus and out. And right? they're and yeah, and their rave ups are always like insane. Yes. Where no matter, but no matter what happens, they're actually most of the songs in here are very traditional in the way that the song form will come Correct. back eventually. Absolutely, and finish it up. They'll yeah. Come back traditional song, song structures awesome. are not. Yeah. yeah, but the rave, the, the Yardbirds thing is you know, or, <laughs> That's great. Uh, or the Count Five, you know, who stole from the Yardbirds. You know, psychotic reaction. You got to have that right. middle part. Um, and this, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about the lyrics. It's just, he's just talking about, um, burning what? holes in your pocket. I, you got it right. <laughs> so right. But you know what? Let me, uh, let, let me, uh, see if I'm Andy. Whoa. Well, Barry's looking real quick. I will mention that we have a special guest in the, uh, in the Franklin abode. Once again, we are recording this in, uh, Brian Franklin's house. When but we've hired here. a guard dog because <laughs> yes. that we had a problem with uh, people uh, wanting to get in. Right. And so there's a guard dog staring yeah, out the so front window. You hear a little uh, pitter-patter. Well, it's not a little pitter-patter because Star yeah. is actually pretty huge. But yeah. uh, that's Star walking around. Right. Just making sure everything's on. Yeah, all right. Um, so what you find out? Let's see. What, whose book, whose material are we seeing this from? Uh, Sonic Youth Strange Daydream Nation by Matthew Stearns. Uh, and he's... he's uh, he is uh, discussing lyrics, giving Thurston the benefit of the doubt in terms of his claim oh, that Silver Rocket is about Andy Warhol. We can see this song as a representation of the artist himself. In this sense, Silver Rocket stands as an electrified audio portrait. Yeah, I'm not going to read any more than that. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Silver Rocket, Andy Warhol, you know, the, the factory, and of course, was Andy still alive in 88? I can't, when did his, he died after that book came out? Uh, so, um, maybe an homage, uh, I can't remember when Andy died. Barry's looking up when Andy died. Barry's our, um, fact checker. We don't have, uh, we can't have an actual fact checker. Well, you know. <laughs> and I'm not... February 22nd, 1987, so he had been oh, okay, dead for, yeah, so... so that makes even yeah, more sense. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, so moving around, hit it. There we go into the sprawl, which the sprawl. is Kim, which is the first Kim song. Yeah, and uh, I like how uh, how the the records laid out. They got two Thurstons, they got two Kims, and then they got uh, Lee Lee song. So they yeah. they mix it up really good. And um, Kim 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 Gordon is I'm a fan. I'm a huge yeah, fan me of too. Kim, but yeah. she's got a voice that's definitely in. Acquired taste, and it's like it, yeah. If you have someone that's not really into indie music, they're not gonna like. And it. you play them a song where Kim is singing, yeah. they're gonna say uh, it's like everything they hate about indie music. Well, yeah, and later on, she tried to sing more tough. It seemed like on this one, she actually complained in uh, about. I was reading about the recording. She complained about not having enough time to. Um, Record her vocals. Oh, really? So she felt like she wanted to go back and redo them. (laughs) And so the vocals do have a really great sort of first take quality. They do. Very thrown Uh, out there. I mean, this is what she's saying. Uh, Does this sound simple? Fuck you. Are you for sale? Does fuck you sound simple enough? You can totally picture Kim saying that to someone. And it is. And it's a total flip flop from Thurston's Look How Cool and Hip I Am lyrics I'm going to throw out. And a lot of his stuff. Does have that like I'm gonna be you know hipper than thou? Absolutely, you're absolutely right, and I feel like the way how Thurston sometimes seem like maybe he's you know uh, he's trying too hard to be cool. Kim, you could tell someone that doesn't yeah, have to right, try. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's right. She's just a bad. And Kim is actually sort of mm, a little a generation older than us. I think she's yeah. You know, so she's she ratsy. She was a rat, right? Yeah, right. Call yeah, but she's cooler than rat, rat bastard. Right? Yeah, she's cooler than everyone. She's she is, and she was around for the '70s stuff, which had that hard-edged. Uh, you know, it's a pretty hard edge in the early '70s. Uh, yes. Um, and uh, I grew up on a shotgun row. You know, narrow houses all stuck together. Right, right. Uh, and sliding down the hill out front were the big machines, steel and rusty now, I guess. Out back was the river and that big sign down the road. That's where it all started. And I read uh, that some of this was inspired by the science fiction writer um, William Gibson. Oh, yeah, and, right. Uh, it refers to a future, like, uh, big city, like a Mega city, yeah, and the sprawl. That's yeah. what the sprawl is supposed to be yeah. like. This big. Uh, I read they were disappointed that they found out William Gibson was younger than they were. When ah. they got- <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you know, he seemed like the. Oh, and I guess I thought when I thought the same thing, he was older than he was. But uh, right. And uh, one other thing I really love about the song is it's got the which a lot of the songs have this outro musical part to it. it has yeah, to yeah. Really cool, where it's sort of, it's sort of, uh, yeah. the main song. The coda. And it's, the yeah, coda. It's the coda, this really great outro that goes on and uh, it's great. It's one of, a lot of, a lot of their outros go on, I could listen to them forever. I feel yeah. like it could go as long, even if the song's six minutes long, I feel like ah, I could yeah. even longer because they're just so, yep. done so well. They're good at, they're good at texture and atmosphere and um, just keeping you, you know, and it's not boring. I mean. Right. And now we go right into the next Kim song, which is two Kims in a row and Across the Breeze. Burning Across the Breeze. Is song number four. And uh, it's got uh, another frantic opening type thing. And it's got the uh, double time clicking thing again. The yeah. Thing where you, where oh, you right, 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 right. It kicks in and uh, it's metal. The beginning was almost it metal to me. Very metal sounding. Yep. 
And uh, it's got that whole intro part, and then it goes into the main part of the song, which is more of a driving song. And I just love her singing in the song. I love yeah, her singing. I love the words. She when she call it when she refers to herself as Satan's, Satan's daughter, daughter. That uh, she has yeah. me right there. She yeah. <laughs> Whenever yeah. I, yeah. I, however old I was when I heard this and I listened to it, she she just had me right there. Yeah, it's, um, so and good. it's definitely there's a, a there's a seduction sexual element to this of a boy or meeting somebody and you know close your eyes and make believe you can do whatever you please yeah yeah, um, yeah. and she was great at that she's great at that sexy tough yeah. sexy but tender tough tender <laughs> uh, is it tender um <laughs> is there tenderness there yeah it's just too quick now I think I'm gonna be sick I wanna know should I stay or go um I don't know. Yeah, I don't think. I don't. Kim never seemed a, that convincing a tough girl to me. So I always got the feeling that there was, you know, a, a, a soft, soft person, softer, you know, person. I'm sure. In there. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I have a feeling. Well, I mean, that's the character. You know, in the songs. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know Kim Gordon, but um, if you wanted to find a real tough girl. And you know who would be like Joan Jet? Joan Jet? Chrissy's yeah. Well, yeah, I think Chrissy that Hine. she's notoriously the no. There's no soft center. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone yeah, who's right, uh, right. yeah. Um, uh, and this is another song that's like seven minutes long, and it it doesn't seem long because it's got so many uh, cool parts to it. And uh, for a seven minute song, it it, it moves really good. Uh, yep. Another great Kim song, and now we go into Eric's a, trip. Eric's trip, a Lee song, yeah, Lee Ronaldo, and uh, his songs definitely the most stream of consciousness type lyrics and uh, the least song structury. I feel like his songs, his songs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. and his song. The funny thing you you learn about you notice about Lee is there's and the, and this isn't through through their guitar tunings is that. Lee's tunings are almost always very, very drony. So it'll be like just like E E B B B B B, and oh, his right, songs right. and Thurston's tunings have more different, uh, closer harmonies in there in the guitar. Right. So Lee's songs reflect having been written on in that kind of instrument. They're more. They have more of a um, drone element, and they sound. Different funk, they sound tonally somewhat different than songs that Kim wrote or that Thurston wrote. And uh, did they both? Were they both part of Glenn Branca? The, yeah, the guitar. They they both were. Okay, yeah, because that that was definitely a big uh, that was a big droning type thing, right? Well, yeah. Did you? Have, I mean, we should probably listen to some Glenn Branca out because that they're. Um, I think they were in it before he made the Ascension, which was a out his first album. Um, they were already doing Sonic Youth by that point, but it's it's very. Once you hear Glenn Branca, you go, "Oh, so that's oh, I see. This is where that came from. Is that they didn't come up with this the, the, that idea right, right at all, right? But they definitely took it and oh, yeah. ran with it. Oh yeah, yeah. And created yeah. like songs the way that Led Zeppelin took blues songs and made them into something exactly. that you were like, exactly. oh, you know, exactly. Uh, they took that that idea and made it something totally different with it. And uh, speaking of Andy Warhol, Eric's trip, I did read that it was inspired by um, uh, uh, monologue, one of the characters' monologue in 
a Chelsea Girls. Part oh, of, really? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, did not know that. Yeah, Eric Emerson's LSD-fueled monologue in, uh, in Chelsea Girls. So that's uh, the, some of the lyrics I don't know that inspired I've, by that. And they're I've, very stream of consciousness. In this I don't case. know that I've seen Chelsea Girls. Uh, no, I have not. I've, I've seen bits and pieces of some uh, Andy Warhol. I saw Trash. I, remember I, saw, I, was, I, I took a friend of mine to see Trash at some midnight movie in Orlando. And he was uh, he had taken some uh, mushrooms, some magic mushrooms, and he was not happy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of trash, the next song is Total Trash. Total Trash. We're up to Total Trash, and this is another Thurston Moore song. And this is probably my favorite, one of my favorite songs on the record, um, just because it's just got such a cool riff. This riff is like such a good riff. Uh, could have been done by, you know, so many different kind of bands because it's just such a good catchy riff that the song is built around. And that I'm um, not no cow. That's the one that always the lyric that I'm not no cow. It's a natural fact that I'm not no cow. Yeah, yeah. What I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. This is, um, this also very stream of consciousness. Uh, it just sounds. This is one of those things though where the lyrics. I feel like uh, uh, some songwriters which. I do this sometimes. You just put words together because they, they sound, sound good. good. They sure. sound great. They fit in good. Sure. And everybody gets to put yeah. what, whatever meaning they want on exactly. top of it. Exactly. Yeah, and this is definitely right. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's a natural fact that I'm that I'm not no cow. It's one of those things where you hear it and you think, oh, well, I'm probably mishearing you, and then you look it up. Right. And like, oh, yeah. That is what he said. Well, actually, um, there I did get uh, misheard a Sonic Youth lyric and had to write an article. For the, about them and uh, for the the uh, Tallahassee, the Florida Flambeau, which was a Tallahassee newspaper. It was like the independent, you know, weekly. Yeah. And so Thurston took great exception to the fact that I had misheard a lyric on. Um, <laughs> How dare you? On Dangerous Nation, <laughs> and Kim said, "Well, uh, to him, to his face. Well, I told you you should have put a lyric sheet in it, ah, and so." Nice. She kind of let me off the hook there. That's where I gained some... I was like, okay, thanks, Kim, that's where for you, that. That's yeah. when Barry officially became Team Kim. Oh, yeah. And to this day... Pretty much. <laughs> team Kim. It was born... And I would have to say that I, I was... It, it was born out that I picked the right team based on certain events of the past few years. Let's say that... Uh, well, we, we can't always love our, our artists as much as we love them. No, music. that's true. <laughs> we that's true. That. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's gonna be, that's a running <laughs> we, we, theme. We call that the, yeah. the Although, principle. Yes. <laughs> the album, I won't, out, I won't out it at this point, but the album you pick for next week, the person that you made the album was it's actually a sort of notor- stellar as a notorious a notori- nice guy great as his music yes it, which is uh except probably the exception for the to the rule i, I think so oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah because yeah. there's an awful lot of bastards out there there yeah or people who started off nice and then you know um this song in the middle part of it when the out of tune i don't know if a guitar became out of tune or they introduce an out of tune guitar yeah but it's no 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 yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's just obviously purposely yeah. out of tune, and it just makes it, uh, it just takes it to a to a whole different level. <laughs> total trash. <laughs> yeah, it's total yeah. trash. If we knew what he was talking about. We might be able to work that into the right. symbology of the of the song. But 
and it, it deteriorates and this is this is probably it becomes one of the more noisier parts of the whole record it's yeah. just like uh, it's probably what I imagine classic like early Sonic Youth shows could sound yeah like. I would think so yeah they were definitely um, noisier and uh, not as um, audience pleasing you know they weren't right. they weren't but then, right. but after the noise, then it comes back to the rib. It comes back and it yeah, right. Out the yeah, yeah. They were, you know, I think they had their eye on. And I always wonder, what did they think? Really, realistically, were they going to be? How 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 far could they go? Right, right, right. And uh, I think probably. I mean, I'm imagining they they got bigger than they had imagined at first. Especially they were they were going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. I mean, uh, but they're they're one of the few bands that never. I mean, I don't think I. You would never hear you never hear people accusing them of selling out. Even yeah, when they went right. to a major label, whatever. Right. But you really, I don't you, think you with their be, sound. I, th- I don't think with their sound, it was nec- I don't think it was actually possible for them to sell to out. Sell out, right? Right. But they just they actually brought a lot of people to their type of music right. to that music and yeah. really uh, opened things up a lot so let's uh, let's take a break alright we're back on alright we refreshed our cocktails yes tell you, everyone what, what the cocktail what the, that record got me high cocktail got me high cocktail is Barry. is uh, we want you it's very simple it's one third Smirnoff vodka uh, one third uh, orange juice and one third uh, either citrus flavored or unflavored seltzer and that's over ice, and it's extremely, an extremely refreshing combo. Very refreshing, and the, the good thing is we can bring Smirnoff here at Franklin's, and we know he won't drink it because he's, that's he's right. a snob, we especially and bring it's too it, cheap. Yeah. Uh, it's too we cheap especially right. bring it here in an old Chinese food container, <laughs> soup container. You won't touch it. No, it has, it has the look of something that, you know, the cat dragged in, and right. it wasn't even a good cat. So... Um, all right, so back to Daydream Nation. Daydream Nation. We're on song number seven, which is "Hey Joni." Hey Joni, yeah. uh, um, a lead, a lead song, and um, one of my favorite songs on the record because this seems like someone, and he may have discussed this, but certainly I don't. I'm not privy to it. But it seems like um, uh, someone he knows. Well, I all right. I read that it's a tr- it, 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 he's sort of a, supposedly titled I don't know the song itself but supposedly titled Hey Joni as a homage to the Hendrix song Hey Joe and to uh. and to beloved singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell okay cool <laughs> So uh, a little a little right. shout out to Joni Mitchell, but well, I have a feeling the the lyrics, the surrealistic lyrics, are just like yeah, right. Could be anything. Um, I think that was more just for, for the title itself. Yeah, in this broken town, can you still jack in and know what to do? I don't. I don't think about Joni Mitchell by this point. <laughs> right, right, right. I think um, she's a beautiful mental jukebox. Yeah, a sailboat explosion. Shots ring out from the center of an empty field. Joni's in the tall grass. Um, a snap of electric whip crack. Yeah, this is not about Joni Mitchell. <laughs> um, although... uh, great, uh, but this song really, it, it, it moves, and my favorite part of this song is when he yells, Kick it! And then yeah, they yeah, kick yeah, it. right. It's so good, yeah. 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 I love, when bands like this... Uh, fall back on the normal rock tropes it yeah. just makes it that much better it does. you know <laughs> it does um yeah. 
And they are a rock band. They, yeah, by yeah, this yeah. point, the experimental... I mean, they went back and did some experimental records that sold like 15 copies. You know, they had some instrumental experimental records late in their... Um, oove, is that word? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you can uh, you can go and listen to. But they're... Uh, I think they had... They're a rock band. They're a rock band, all that and, stuff and is this in is there. a rock band at their peak of uh, playing together as a unit. And uh, all of them, just like um, Steve Shelley, just inventives. Uh, you know really what band cool. he came from? No. What he band? was in a band called the Crucifix. Oh, that was shit. a hardcore band. That. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he, uh, I guess Bob Burt, either they either quit or bailed out. Who went, Bob Burt went on to play in Pussy Galore. Right, right. And also in... Um, yeah, because Steve Shelley came in when he came in like... Uh, after, that, uh, after Bad Moon Rising. After before, Bad Moon. Okay, yeah, okay, and right. before, before Evil. Um, okay. And uh, also, I noticed in this... Obviously, Kim, Kim Gordon's never been known as a... As a um, as Stanley a, Clark. As a uh, <laughs> virtual, as a bass virtuoso, correct. But she plays some really cool shit on this. She does. Her choice of uh, notes that she goes to sometimes, which sound, uh, you know, you would think a, a normal, like a regular music uh, musician yeah. bass player probably wouldn't go there, and yeah. she goes there, and it, and sometimes yeah. it really just makes the the song go in a yeah. like her a really actual cool her actual playing and watching her playing reminds me of Dee Dee Ramone. Yeah, 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 definitely. And um, she used to play this ovation, this ovation bass, and the the fucking things they weigh like. If for me it was heavy to play the thing, and it's um, and I always wondered how she managed to hold that stupid ovation bass. But I got something <laughs> lighter and easier to deal with. Um, a Hoffner, you know, that's that's the ultimate. Right, the hollow body. I could not picture Kim Deal playing on. No, no not Kim Deal. No, Kim Gordon. Kim Gordon. I said Kim, Kim Deal. Well, I can't picture Kim Deal playing off. No. More more than Kim Gordon, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, Sorry, yeah, Kim. Hey Joni's uh, um, one of my faves on the record. And I, over time, I remember at the time sort of being, eh, it's a Lee song, eh, it's a Lee song. But over time, I've gotten fonder and fonder of those, the Lee songs. They seem to be, uh, because they're, there's not that overt attempt to be you know hip right right yeah they yeah they're very natural like weird they're weird naturally they feel like they come from a very yeah uh, he's personal personal at least if not from uh if not from personal experience then from a uh, a relatable or he's trying to relate something to you instead of just you know have some candy popcorn have some mental candy popcorn and now we have Providence, which is probably the uh, the, the strangest song on the record. It's not really a song, yeah. but it's very cool. It's integral to the album. It I is think. very integral, and uh, because I feel like Providence is a um, it's a crossing point in the record. Right. Things change after the song Providence. Right. Things get uh, darker. Maybe they do. It gets a little darker, yes, they right? do. Yeah, absolutely. And Providence, to me, basically what it is is, is it's noodling on piano, like yep. uh, Thurston. Maybe I'm assuming I Thurston. Don't know. Do, someone noodling on a piano, and uh, it sounds like it could have been recorded, you know, very 
whatever on a, a yeah cassette yeah a cassette thing or yeah yeah doodling on a piano and then a, a phone a couple of phone messages from Mike, Mike Watt. Watt of the Minutemen and Firehose fame right which could have been on that tour you saw them on maybe the message could he have left it then when he saw them. Could have been. I'm yeah, sure they played I mean, together, guys a, lot. The they together uh, a lot. A lot. And it's basically him calling, yelling at Thurston, saying, right. "Ask him if he ever found the those cords. cords. Did you did you check here? Did you check here? And, and the you, key the key phrase in there, which is kind of hard to understand, but unless you know Mike what speak is, you gotta watch the Moto Thurston. Your memory just goes out the window. Yeah. Now, what does he mean? But now I'm assuming moto he meant like weed. smoking. Okay. Smoke moto, moto is yeah. Moda or Moda is Mike Watts. One of his uh, terms for weed. Just from context, you you know he's talking about, you know, you got to yeah, smoke Yeah, your memory so goes you out the window. Short-term memory. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's very much Mike Watt, his boisterous and... So you have the you have the tinkling piano, you have yeah. the Mike Watt message, and you have the sound of an amplifier, of yes. tubes, yes. of an amplifier yes. tubes, just like baking. Overheating. Yeah, baking, overheating. Which and, I'm, uh, 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 yeah, very familiar a, it, with. And it's a really fun thing to listen to. Like, you listen to it if you listen to it on headphones, and you get, you really, you really just get it's into it. It's got an eerie. It's got it, an eerie but, quality, and it almost, it's got like sort of a sad, uh, like a sad quality to me, like, because it's like uh, when, when, uh, when a band's are on tour, they're away from yeah. home, and they're like Lonely, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark. He's, I'm down here. You, you assume that, that, that what, for some reason, I always picture that it's dark and Watts in a paper. Right, right. And I and, love, and it's just, and, and Mike Watts so uh, so great. I mean, uh, you've met him before, and yeah, I, yeah. I've uh, I've met him, and uh, just the way he calls, Thurston, what? <laughs> and it's yeah, great. You know, uh, it's like the mechanic calling you from the garage. Yeah, your radiator's <laughs> fucked. You're going to need a new radiator. And now, and for some reason, I read. Now, this is this sounds like something they would do, but I read that they released this as a single in in England. <laughs> no, like come on now! I was released at some point. It was released. Yes, Providence was. I don't know if it was. Maybe it was the B side. Uh, yeah, but it was B-side. on like a, a, a release aside from uh, Daydream Nation, which is really weird because it's not even really. A and it leads into my favorite track on the. Oh, is Candle? Yeah, Candle's Candle a is great song. Um, and it's sort of like the, I, so. I guess you could call it the uh, a title track because um, the painting, uh, the, the cover of Daydream Nation is a, is a, a, is a, a painting. Gerhard Richter, a Gerhard Richter, a Gerhard Richter oh, yeah, painting, right? Called Kurze, Kurze which is uh, which means candle. So, really? Yes. Ah, I did not know that. <laughs> well, it's the um, magic of the internet. It makes you seem uh, like you know all this shit. And the really thing know. I like most about uh, the song "Candle" is the descending chords um, that are sort of the uh, uh, um, what the song is built around. There's a there's a um, and uh, my my cohort in the podcast does not like jazz, but I'm a <laughs> jazz fan, and there is a there is a jazz. Quality. Is that jazzy? Because I really like it. I mean, I do it love. Is jazzy. I know what you're talking about, and uh, yeah. The, the, yeah, the because musicality in the song is really yeah, cool, um, and it's really good. And uh, God knows, I guess. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like something I could figure out on a guitar, like without a, a special can, tuning. Yeah, but it's yeah. done. You can tell it's definitely done. In a, it's kind of like a minor tuning. seventh chord or something, but. And then it goes, it's like, and it goes down a whole step, and then it goes down another whole step, so it doesn't stay in a 
It doesn't stay in a mode. It actually moves in a jazz way through different modes. But right. Whatever. You don't have to worry about that. And I, and I feel like this song is, uh, has to be somewhat autobiographical because he says, I am the I am the cocker on the rock. Yeah. Wind, Wind is, is whipping, whipping through my stupid mop. mop. And, and, and Thurston does hair. have a stupid mop. Right? Yeah, right. It does. <laughs> There's no denying. My other so that theory, is him. I've never, I've never investigated this. My other theory is that it, it there is a, it's about crack cocaine. Oh, uh, I'm the cocker. Um, no, keeps me up awake. Go crystal cracking. Oh, and okay, okay. Um, New York, there was um, there was a lot of crack cocaine in New York at that time in that period because I knew some people living in New York, and uh, they actually had to move back to uh, they actually had to move back to Tallahassee, and you know it was because ready access to crack cocaine that turned crack out to cocaine, be kids you know he started going down <laughs> and news. he started going down and just walking down the street and hanging out and score, smoking crack with people and before you know it you know. <laughs> um oh the people we have known huh Barry uh yeah and he oh there's a, there's a bad there's a whole it's a real bad story there but <laughs> I'm sure that's a genuinely you don't have too many you don't have too many story. good stories I about do, people sure I do. Do oh, you? of course I do yeah, no, yeah, I don't yeah. know there's just you know the people Usually like t- people I, I, like a tra- people like a tragedy you know you tell me the bad ones I guess okay. um, I was thinking uh, because when he says I am the cocker on the rock I think of that expression uh, um, cock of the walk yes oh yeah cock yeah so yeah. I'm the cock on the rock sounds sort of like it does. I'm the cock of the walk so I thought maybe that we could be totally wrong and, uh, but I, I like your theory of the crack rock thing and I'm, I'll, I have a feeling that probably plays um, in there's another tell in it let me let me get bring up the lyrics again god damn it I'm sure it's not an homage to uh, Joe Cocker so <laughs> fairly certain that, there's not, that Joe Cocker was not uh, um on their radar, probably. I got to change my mind before it burns out. Ah, uh, okay, so nice. I can't wait. I can't stay a candle. So you know, there's images of of, of things burning out uh, in there, um, but then there's some beautiful imagery in there as well. I see a, I see a fall, falling snow girl walking Broadway. You know, yeah, um, that's nice. It, it's nice. It it's is a really. It, this is a, it's a really great song. And it goes into, I would say, to me, this is one of the strangest, stranger songs on the record. Rain King is number 10, and that's another Lee yeah, yeah. song. Yeah. And Rain King is definitely an, an out there song. It it's is. It's probably the least uh, traditional song type thing. It's, it's, the no, it's one of the, the noisiest ones on the record. And the lyrics are stream of consciousness, and, and, and I think maybe cut up, there's some cut up William Burroughs aspect to the lyrics in this yeah 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 definitely because it sounds like at some point that he's just throwing, throwing he's got well, he's got stuff that sounds cool yes. together right and it's it, it makes some sort of imagery in your head but it's not you know that was the burrow's idea was that it was to break up you break up the right the thought right. processes into something to get something new by by taking by breaking these things these traditional things like in the middle and then right. you, so you don't know what but it sounds it does sound great uh, it does crossfire ranking with, with his Cadillac, Cadillac kid yeah yeah yep. um, Mary's every dictionary from his train yard bliss that's it um, he, he lips his lips a fountain his daylight when he says his daylight sparks the way he says that is really great and then there's the uh, 
this this wah yes 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 and then it kicks back in yes um i think i feel like every one of the band stepped up for this record and absolutely and and, uh, contributed really top-notch stuff which is unusual for for bands to have that where everyone usually there'll there'll be a band and then you'll the like uh, the uh, the, the main person in the band will have the song you really like. And yeah, yeah. They'll be, oh, well, this one's got to throw a song, this one's uh, got to throw a song in. But uh, for this record, all three of them really. Uh, I was trying to think if Lee, even, if Lee even had a song on Sister. Um, I know on Evolve, he had the uh, the thing that's about the um, the car wreck. And, um, oh, Tough Gnarl. No, no. Pipeline Kill Time. No, that's the only. That's. Um, that's the lead thing. So he definitely got more um, screen time, yeah, 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 Nation. and 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 worthwhile. That was great stuff. Time. Totally great stuff. Nothing skip over. No skip over. Right. right. It's not like it's not like Electric <laughs> Ladyland where you get to the uh, uh, um, what's no Reading songs and you're like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no yeah, well, okay. Now we move on to uh, kissability. You've got Kissability. Kind of the Kim. Kim song. This song is, um, I love, this is her uh, sarcastic. Well, yeah. she's, she's always sarcastic. Ooh, yeah, this is a movie producer talking to the, this is a movie producer talking to uh, somebody, a star that he wants to fuck. Yes. But, um, don't you trust me. Right, right. Her her delivery in this song reminds me, are you a fan of Pulp at all? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, Jarvis yeah, Cocker? Yeah, sure, she yeah. reminds me of a female Jarvis Cocker. Yeah. Like uh, and uh, and I'm wondering whether the filmmaker, you know, uh, remember Richard Kern? The yes, yeah, Richard. And Kern. so they were. Around, he they was around stuff with him. They, yeah, they did yeah. Stuff with him. And you know, did, did he didn't do the Death Valley '69. He video? did. He did. Uh, he did. He I did. Mean, that's okay. a Richard Kern thing. Lydia Lodge. He did stuff. Yeah, with yeah, Lodge, for sure. Yeah. He was in the you know that New York underground scene. Right. Uh, so this is her. This is Kim's version of a love song. I think. <laughs> or no, it's it's a this is I think this is a, a lion scumbag is trying to right yeah you're yeah, so yeah, soft yeah. you make this is like stuff that's been said to her yes right right, right yes go, oh, so, but her, her delivery is like spot on for this song it's yeah. so good and the uh, you got twistability which also you know you're man, you're easy to manipulate right um, you could be a star <laughs> in a hard. Um, and it's also a really cool song. It's got really cool. Uh, There's a break in parts it. Yes, yeah, it's great. It's just so good. I mean, you can take parts that you can take uh, songs on this and make it into just a regular good indie record without all the noise stuff. In it. it would could. be good. It wouldn't it be would. the masterpiece yeah. that Daydream Nation is, but yeah. you could because there's so many good hooks on this record and good. Um, just parts. You know, I want to apologize at this point. If this really, if this comes across as like sort of a more older and hipper, like Beavis and Butthead, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was wondering, I, I was worrying that our, our podcast would devolve as we drink with development. And yeah, that was that was yeah, really great. Was really cool. That was great. Yeah, we're, we, we're keeping up. It's fine. We're, we're good. All right. And speaking of parts, yeah, of parts. We're the trilogy. Uh, the final, the trilogy of the record, which yes. I guess. Sometimes uh, it's listed as the one song, and sometimes it's sort of uh, listed as three songs. It's three separate songs, but I I see they kind of they go together, and um, it's got my favorite. Some some good Thurston lyrics on um, 
He's got some really intense. Um, I think that. Oh, I, th- I remember reading. This is some, there's some Philip K. Dick stuff in this. Uh, flashing eyes. They're flashing across to me. This was um, relates to a Philip K. Dick book called Vallis, where he Philip K. Dick, who was a total fucking speed freak, um, had a religious experience where he um, saw. So in a flash, he saw that the uh, we weren't living in the present; that we were actually all living in um, uh, the Roman time or Christian uh, early Christian times when the Romans were in charge. And um, no, well, <laughs> yeah. And so he wrote this book, Vallis, about that, and that there was this. Um, it was his. Uh, he died not too long. After that, um, he died in '82. But that's part. It's got to be some. So it's of this. like New York City. It was really, overlaid. But yeah, it's really, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a. There's a. There's a definitely a, a, a scary part to the wonder where you know the, the music um, has an intensity and a and a, a, a darkness that goes with very much with what he's saying. Um, right. Yeah, because I feel like this whole last part of the trilogy is very is very tied into where they were living in, mm-hmm. like New York City, and especially New York City that time. Because I don't know, did you ever did you ever yeah. visit New York yeah. City like in the late eighties? Yeah, went, I loved it. I was in a band. Uh, uh, my band went on tour, and we played CBGBs in like ninety one or something. Yeah, and that was when New York was still like it was a mean, a mean yeah. city, man. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> there were still and, drug dealers on yeah. the corners. There were prostitutes walking around. It was still the uh, the mean. Was there an eighty? I was there, I was there in eighty seven. Um, when I was playing with um with Mo Tucker and with half Japanese and name dropper. <laughs> no, that's awesome. If there's names you're gonna drop, that's not a bad they, name to drop. That's awesome. It was a long time ago. We will at some point in the future we will revisit Barry. Uh, Barry yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was Mo, a weird. Yeah, we, we could. We could. It was. Yeah. It was an odd time. Yeah. And but. When we, I played with Mo at, uh, um, we played at Maxwell's, and uh, Kim and Thurston came and saw the show, so that oh, was cool. Oh, yeah, look, look at you. Look at, look at Barry Stockley. They didn't come to see me. <laughs> oh, <right>. Did they? <laughs> Who did they come to see? You to point that. Oh, the drummer from the Velvets. That's right. Yes, that's but you right. were there. I was there, and yeah, um, yeah, I chatted with them for a minute. But, that's very, that's, that's awesome. Uh, they I'm were impressed. not there to I'm, see me. I'm, I'm impressed. I never, I never, this is the first time hearing this lady. Yeah, well, um, so, you know, you don't want to... I'm. Know. I'm I'm just as impressed as you all are listening to that right now. It was at the time it was um I was awed. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Well usually yeah, as we as you get older you'll learn you meet your heroes and you're disappointed. People are disappointing. I I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> right. People are disappointing generally so, you know. Um, okay, so this uh, the Wonder is A. That's A. Yes. This is the, the, the trilogy. So yeah. The Wonder is A. And then it sort of ha- has like the outro, one of their yeah. favorite like little musical outros. Yeah. And then it, it, it uh, transitions into Hyperstation, which is yeah. B, which has this ominous, slow build, instrumental, really cool. And yeah. this, I feel like this is definitely uh, walking walk, around the him, streets of New totally. York. Him walking around the streets of New York. I can confirm that that's, what, that that's what this is. Yeah, yeah, like, but sort of dreamlike, like smashed yeah. up against the car at 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Kids dressed up for basketball, Actually, beat me in my head. Their sound man was a guy named Terry. Um, 
that he talked about this and he talked about how great the lyrics were because it was oh, yeah oh, walking oh, around oh, and oh, uh, a total another autobiographical totally autobiographical I told yeah. another amp I'm calling, calling in sick. sick yeah yeah and I guess the story was at the time Thurston was working uh, as a uh, selling like um, like ice cream cones out of an ice cream like one of like a like a cooler one of those like you know street. Vendor yeah. selling <laughs> really Thurston also yeah I, I, maybe that was before that but the, right. but you know he's calling in sick it was obviously when he had a job so. oh right right yeah. but he was yeah uh, okay okay uh, that's it I'm not I just I was just rolling around the floor at uh, at uh, CBGB's I'm yeah. not going in the right I'd say that's one in fact I'd say that that's one of the 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 most iconic moments on the record is is the smashed up against the car at 3 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Trash, and know, then this is also where you get the title of the record in there because they right, mentioned Daydream Nation. Daydream Nation. Daydream It's sort of uh, it, it it brings together what the whole uh, what the whole record's about. Yeah, and, um, summertime in New York City, and um, yeah, Daydream Days and the Daydream Nation, and then it goes into part. So you have part A and part B is Hyperstation, and then part Z, which correct. Is, which Eliminator is, Junior, and I and I read the reason they called it Eliminator Junior was yeah. because they thought it sounded like a combination. Of, they they think the song sounds like a combination of Dinosaur yeah. Junior and ZZ Top. Yeah, Eliminator era ZZ Top, which, which is I nobody. Don't get that. <laughs> that may have seen. I don't hear maybe ZZ, maybe Dinosaur Junior a little just because it's. Aggressive. It's kind of an aggressive rock song, but it doesn't sound like that. Yeah, don't you remember and when I Billy don't... Gibbons? Don't you remember him singing "Tears Cruise Away," packed, and then took a shit? Don't you remember when he sang that great ZZ Top hit, um, "Dark Stains on His Pants"? Yeah. yeah so this no. is like a really, uh, really frantic right. ending to the record. Yeah. And I just read. I had no idea the whole time I listened to this record, and I listened to this record a lot back in the day. I had no idea that it was about the. Preppy Killer. This part right here, Lemmy oh, Jr. Did was not about the Preppy Killer, Robert Chambers. Oh my God! And if you then it makes sense when you hear that and you read Kim with Kim singing, tears cruise away, packed in, and then took a shit. The sky is ours, dark stains, dark on, stains his on his pants. And that's to make him blush around the bone. Take yeah. a walk in the park. Shit, yeah. yeah. Right. It's a poor boy, a rich boy, a poor rich boy coming right through me. me. Rich boy, poor boy, poor rich boy coming right through me. If anyone old enough to remember the preppy killer, it was a very um, uh, man. It was a scandalous thing that happened in the in the eighties in New York of uh, Robert this Robert Chambers Robert guy Chambers. who was like your classic college douchebag yep. preppy guy. Yep, frat frat. Right. You know. Um. And he's and he said it was just uh, rough sex that went too far, but he ended up killing this this poor girl, and uh, that's what this that's what the lyrics are are that, and it's when you know that, and then you listen to it again. I did not know that. It is chilling. I'll be read the death of Jennifer Levine or Levin. Yes, that's it exactly. Levin exactly. strangled, half naked corpse, covered in cuts, bruises, uh, and bite marks, terrible. was found by that's a cyclist terrible. in Central Park near Fifth Avenue and Eighty Third right. Street, behind behind the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So, um, what a what a perfect ending for a for a New York like a, you know record. It's just like it ends with yeah. that, and then the song just goes into a double time, and then it just ends. Yep. Bah, it's right. Over. Bah, bah, bah. Now, like most of their songs in this, they have denouements, they have little things, yep. but this song just ends and that's it. The record's oh over. Yeah. 
Um, and that's Daydream Nation. And that's Daydream Nation. It was, um, and after Daydream Nation, they Goo was the next uh, major label. They signed to right. David Geffen, Geffen Company, DGC, right? DGC with uh, Nirvana ended up yeah, signing with them that's too. Right. And uh, yeah, and they still put out really good records. They did. Really good records. I like, uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of their later records. Um, but this was the this was sort of um, it was the it was the, just like the just like the way Providence in the album is a crossing point from one place to another place. The definitely Daydream Nation is a crossing place from one place to another place. Absolutely, and it's one of those records that that lives up to its height, lives it up does. to the height. It does. It. Yep. Because uh, you could say some people say, "Oh, it's like you know, it's a classic record, or whatever." But it really is. There's no way you could. Uh, it's on a lot of best of lists. Yeah, as it as it should be, and uh, there are songs on here that you could even play for people that that don't care for any of this type of music, anything, yeah. and they'd still listen to it. And they go, "Oh, that, that's yeah, pretty, that's good. pretty good. That's, uh, yeah, that's good." There's there's uh, no denying it. All right, do you want to talk about our next uh, what where we're going next 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 time? Sure, sure. I. I think uh, I decided we, we were switching off records, so uh, we're going to do Hunky Dory. What? That's not what you said. <laughs> That's exactly what I said, and Barry got very excited. I did. Because uh, how could you not? If you don't get excited, if you don't like Hunky Dory by David Bowie, Man. I don't want to know you. No. I don't want to know you. You should don't listen to this podcast. Don't That's don't listen right. to that episode, and don't ever listen again, because you're an idiot. Records. That's true. It is. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah. This record got me. That record got me. Which one? <laughs> that record, not this record. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elbow. We're out. I'm the twisted name on Garbo's eyes. I'm living proof of Churchill's lies. I'm destiny.